Hi, I'm David Green from Canela. COVID-19 has been having a huge impact on all our lives over the past few months, socially, emotionally, and financially. The current government restrictions have meant that normal life and all its freedom is unlikely to be fully reinstated for the foreseeable future in a bid to slow down the infection rate. But the origin of this virus is still unclear, and it leaves us wondering, is a vaccine our only hope of seeing a return to normal life? There is an abundance of existing work, research, and theories surrounding COVID-19 and similar viruses, which remain fairly undiscussed in the mainstream. For people making truly informed decisions, it's important to gain a holistic view of all the available research and facts. Maybe then we might become empowered enough to make informed decisions about the way we choose to view and approach this life-changing issue. I don't know about you, but in a bid to reduce society's fear of the current pandemic, I feel a strong need to obtain a greater insight into the real challenges our frontline workers are facing. While doing so, it's become evident that the answer might come from identifying what has caused pandemics throughout history. How COVID-19 began. So, how did this virus begin? There are many theories regarding the origin of COVID-19, some suggesting it's human-engineered, others saying it mutated from animals. Since we don't seem to have any firm facts, perhaps the best way to try and understand this is to look at some of the history of similar pandemics. That, in turn, may help us gain a clearer understanding of the potential cause or causes of COVID-19. To put this information into context, it's important to note that prior to the start of the COVID-19 outbreak in Wuhan, China, in December 2019, studies had already confirmed TB to be an epidemic throughout China, according to Liu et al. in 2018. A study carried out by Yang in 2014 in Wuhan found TB to be most prevalent during the winter months due to increased indoor crowding, air pollution, and increased risk of vitamin D deficiency from a lack of sunlight. Air pollution is severe in Wuhan, and Yang suggested it can harbor Mycobacterium tuberculosis, or TB. Pork and poultry are huge stables in the Chinese diet, with China being the biggest pork consumer in the world. This creates a huge demand for pork and poultry production. With a large number of farms to keep up with production, also comes huge amounts of waste and waste incineration plants. In 2018, African swine fever spread throughout China, leading to nearly 40% of China's pig population being wiped out, including those in Wuhan. To control this outbreak, China culled thousands of pigs, and many were incinerated. This added to the already severe air pollution, potentially containing Mycobacterium tuberculosis, or TB, from the infected animals. Dama et al. in 2011 found that between 1953 and 1968, Mycobacterium avium, or foul tuberculosis, in the pig population had an 81% prevalence rate. They also found that Mycobacterium avium could be transmitted between pigs and humans. A state veterinarian, W.J. Butler, in 1924 commented, I consider contaminated manure and stagnant water the most important factors in the spread and propagation of tuberculosis. A recent study by Wang in 2020 suggested the reason COVID-19 appears to spread fastest on cruise ships and in hospitals was because workers may be more likely to reuse gear contaminated with feces to try to conserve supplies. It's also worth noting that, historically, influenza was referred to as Mycobacterium influenzae because it appeared similar to TB in laboratory tests 
and in genetic profile. In March 1918, during the annual peak of TB in Wuhan, and following dust storms and the ashes of nine tons of burning manure, a cook named Albert Gitchell, working at one of the camps which housed 26,000 men and a lot of livestock, reported flu-like symptoms a week after cleaning out the pig pens. Within a month of Albert falling ill, 1,000 men at the camp were infected, and 50, including Albert, had died, according to Rist in 1929. Several studies also suggest that pneumonia and unexplained fevers are often caused by undetected TB. Farber and Clark, in 1943, reported 100 cases admitted to a general hospital for non-TB-related pneumonia, which were later found to be caused by TB. She, in 2013, carried out a study of the major causes of fever from an unknown origin at Peking Union Medical College Hospital in the past 26 years. They found that in 48% of cases, the cause of fever was TB. Dubos, in 1987, a bacteriologist, also noted that TB is rarely severe between the ages of 5 and 12. This is an interesting correlation with COVID-19, which also appears to predominantly spare children from this age group. Bats are carriers of over 100 viruses, including viral and mycobacterium tuberculosis. They have also been referred to as the potential source of human infection of COVID-19. Given that mycobacterium tuberculosis killed a billion people between 1850 and 1950 and continues to kill 1.7 million each year and has such similarities in terms of symptoms, including pneumonia, to COVID-19, a link between TB and COVID-19 is certainly worthy of further consideration. Broxmeyer, in 2011, an experienced medical researcher, has written many peer-reviewed articles and was the lead author and originator of A Novel Technique to Kill AIDS, Mycobacterium, and Tuberculosis with Outstanding Results. Broxmeyer suggested that it was a combination of the foul TB passed on from the pigs, along with the latent human TB, that led to the pandemic of 1918 through 1919. This raises the question, is COVID-19 really a virus? We are told that COVID-19 is a virus, but this begs the question of why antibiotics appear to be effective in treating it in some cases. We know that antibiotics are not effective at killing viruses. This suggests that there could be a bacterial element to COVID-19. We know that TB is also caused by bacteria, bacterium tuberculosis, further substantiating a potential link. According to Hendrickson in 1920, if a person with pulmonary TB contracts the flu, the TB process is likely to be exacerbated and very often terminates fatally in a comparatively short time. This could have been the case with the measles outbreak in the army barracks during World War I. If the measles virus was attacking lungs already affected by TB, then TB was more likely to have caused the fatalities rather than the measles virus itself. Is this also the case with COVID-19? Why might COVID-19 be mild in some people and fatal in others? If the above connection with latent TB is accurate, this could be one potential explanation for why there is such disparity between the severity of COVID-19 symptoms and why many people experience no or few symptoms while some are sadly dying. Could it be that those with severe or fatal symptoms already have latent TB? Dr. Buchanan, as far back as 1901, stated in the Journal of the American Medical Association that many cases of flu were symptomatic of an initial TB infection, 
or exacerbation of previously unsuspected TB. Hawes, in 1918, said, flu is often mistaken for pulmonary TB as symptoms of both diseases are often identical. There is a lot of literature further supporting a historic misdiagnosis of flu as the cause of death when in fact it was TB, according to Hendrickson in 1920 and Wakely and Wakely in 1899. It is also important to consider the health of the individual. Baycomp said, the terrain is everything. He believed that it was not the germs themselves that posed a threat to human beings. After all, germs are everywhere. In his research, he noted that it was only when the tissue of the host became damaged that these germs manifested as a symptom rather than a cause of the disease. Baycomp believed that focusing on health through good nutrition and healthy lifestyle practices, along with maintaining hygiene, was the key to maintaining wellness, according to Marone Wellness in 2018. There is significant research emerging, specifically in the context of COVID-19, which supports this theory, according to Calder in 2020, Naja and Hamada in 2020, and Butler and Barrientos in 2020. In our previous Vitamin D podcast, we referred to Henrik Kremer's 16 stages of cellular change and the importance of optimal vitamin D levels and fully functioning mitochondria, which are the powerhouses of our cells to maintain good health and immunity. We also explained how our mitochondria require us to have exposure to sufficient amounts of light to function optimally, therefore making the most of our daily exercise and taking the opportunity to get outdoors. Addressing suboptimal vitamin D levels is key to maintaining a healthy immune system. Are vaccines the answer to COVID-19? We know that vaccines are only effective against viral diseases. This suggests that if severe cases of COVID-19 are caused by a bacterium, potentially latent TB, then a vaccine is unlikely to be effective. Brownlee and Lenzer, in 2009, discussed vaccinations in depth and looked at statistics around uptake in relation to mortality rates. It may come as a surprise to note that they found when vaccination uptake was low, mortality rates did not increase. Mortality rates actually appeared higher when vaccination numbers were higher. So again, we ask how effective these vaccinations really are and what else can we do to help support immunity? What might be done? Apart from maintaining good hygiene and social distancing, what else might we do to help build our own resilience against this virus? As Becamp said, the terrain is everything. Eating a healthy, balanced diet and ensuring we receive enough key nutrients to support our immunity is key. Refer again to our previous blog and podcast on immunity, where we have gone into detail around all that can be done to help support our immune systems with diet and supplements to stress management and exercise. Eating a rainbow of fruit and vegetables is important to assure we are topping up on key immune-boosting nutrients such as vitamins A, C, and E. Fruit and vegetables are also fantastic at helping to reduce inflammation within the body. This is important given that inflammation appears to be a feature of COVID-19. Smoothies and juices are a great way to increase your fruit and vegetable intake. Super green powders are also another way to boost your antioxidant intake, and they can easily be added to a juice or a smoothie. There is evidence emerging that supports the potential efficacy of vitamin C supplementation in relation to optimizing immune function. A good vitamin C supplement may be of benefit, according to Chang in 2020 and Mongolian Golding in 2020. Given that 80% of our immunity is linked to our gut, 
probiotic foods and probiotic supplements to top up our good gut bacteria may also be of benefit. Probiotic foods include kefir, kimchi, kombucha, sauerkraut, tempeh, and fermented miso. Zinc and selenium-rich foods are also worth topping up on, including mushrooms, seafood, and Brazil nuts. These are key minerals for optimizing immunity, with some studies showing positive effects, particularly in relation to viral respiratory infections, according to Jaya Wardena in 2020. We have already touched on the importance of sunlight to keep our vitamin D levels topped up and to aid mitochondria function. Early studies also suggest that vitamin D supplementation could possibly improve clinical outcomes of patients infected with COVID-19, according to Alipio in 2020. It is worth getting your vitamin D levels tested and supplementing if your levels are found to be suboptimal. For safety, we always advise you discuss appropriate supplementation with a registered nutritional therapist prior to embarking on a protocol, as needs and suitability can vary from person to person. We also suggest that frontline workers ideally be tested for latent TB before risking exposure to COVID-19. Once again, I'm David Green from Canella. Please check our in-depth blogs and webinars at www.electromagneticnutrition.com. And thanks for listening to our podcast. Would you like more information on the role of antioxidants or other supportive supplements or foodstuffs in keeping you well and healthy, especially in this time of COVID-19? Then be sure to check out our podcasts frequently. We'll be producing more shortly with more great in-depth information about naturopathic approaches to help support optimum health and well-being.